order. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. This meeting is also being streamed live over the internet at www.qac.org slash live. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. We acknowledge your participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes. If you care to speak, you must sign the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. During the meeting, we would ask that you turn off all electronic devices and hold personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. If we can remain standing for a moment of silence for Chris Jackson from the personnel board who passed uh, this week unexpectedly. Thank you very much. Okay, Commissioners, we just uh, held a closed session for personnel and contract to discuss the county's voluntary 457 deferred compensation plan. And this is a plan, a voluntary plan that supplements our employees' state retirement and Social Security benefits. So we currently have three vendors, VALIC, Nationwide, and ICMA. We retained an um, investment firm to review our plan, an expert in reviewing 457 programs, Bolton Investment. They are here this evening, and um, the uh, bottom line was the Bolton, along with the employee staff committee that reviewed the materials, have recommended going with a single vendor, a new uh, sole source provider for Queen Anne's County's 457 plan going forward, Voya. And that recommendation was also reviewed by our employee communications and morale committee and uh, recommended for implementation. So we have uh, a series of motions if you want so, to consider. So we have three motions uh, in order to make this happen. I'm going to read all three. Uh, so we're going to move that the Queen Anne's County, excuse me, the Queen Anne's County appoint Voya as a sole provider for the 457B plan. Move that Queen Anne's County approve the funds, approximately 37000 to reimburse VALIC participants who transfer their monies to Voya. And we move that the human resources establish the proper governance oversight for the 457B plan. That is the motion. Can I get a second? Second. second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. That brings us to the uh, today's agenda. Uh, today's meeting, January 28th, 2020, along with the regular and closed session minutes from your January 14th, 2020 meeting, were distributed for review. Are there any additions and or corrections? Move to accept. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. There you go. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. That brings us to our first uh, press and public comments period. Thank you for taking the time to express your reviews to the County Commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. 
This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. We ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and name calling when offering any critique. Okay, first up is Mr. Tim McCluskey. Good evening, Commissioners. Thank you for this time. Uh, my name is Tim McCluskey. I live at 201 Watson Road here in Centerville, and I'm speaking tonight on, uh, as a town council member for here in Centerville. I wanted to quickly read a letter to you that the town council is sending uh, to Honorable Jay Jacobs, Steve Ahrens, Jeff Grace, and Steve Hershey. Uh, we are writing to urge you to support the requested amendment to Alcohol Beverages Article 27-1402 and 27-1403 of the Annotated Code of Maryland that was submitted by the Queen Anne's County Board of License Commissioners by and through Jeffrey E. Thompson and Thompson and Richard LLP, which establishes certain residency requirements for partnerships, corporations, and limited liability companies applying for liquor licenses within Queen Anne's County. As you know, alcoholic beverage laws in Maryland are controlled by state law and county regulations in the town of Centerville, town council of Centerville, recognizes that it does not have the authority to regulate the sale of alcoholic beverages. Section 27-1402 states that an applicant on behalf of a partnership cannot obtain a liquor license unless the owners of 75% of the interest in the partnership have been residents of the county for two years. And Section 27-1403 states that an individual on behalf of a corporation or limited liability co company cannot obtain a liquor license unless the owners of 75% of the total <coughs> issued capital stock or interest have been residents of the county for two years. Our residents of the state of Maryland must own at least 15% of the total outstanding shares of common stock of the corporation or at least a 15% interest in a limited liability company, entitling the applicant to vote at a meeting of stockholders or members. The Town Council of Centerville feels that these specific restrictions prohibit our ability to adequately promote economic development within our incorporated town due to the outdated laws currently in place. Providing the leeway for train restaurants to enter our town would allow the ability to enhance our local economy, provide opportunities for full-time and part-time employment, as well as create an increase in our town's tax base. Again, we ask that you please support the requested amendments to the alcohol beverage article of the Annotated Code of Maryland in order to help local economies provide employment opportunities, increase tax revenues, and our citizens additional dining options. We look forward to hearing uh, of your commitment to this important legislation. Sincerely, the Town Council of Centerville. The Town Council has spent a lot of time and effort in economic development, and we do believe this will be very helpful. Uh, if, if, uh, if you can't support it for the whole county, we hope that you do consider it, for the uh, at least for the incorporated municipalities. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Royce Herman. Good evening. Uh, my name is Roy Sherman. I am a treasurer of the Economic Development Commission in Queen Anne's County and also a resident here in Centerville. I think all of you know me. Uh, what you may not know is my background in the food service business. Uh, I had roughly 40 years of experience as, professionally in food service. Twelve of those were major manufacturers, including Heinz and Procter & Gamble and several others and 28 years with Cisco Corporation. I retired in 2012. All of these were in professional positions. There's four classes of restaurants, basically, in, in this country. One is fast food, and we all know what fast food is, you know, the McDonald's and the so forth of the world. Second one is fine dining, your white tablecloth, as we used to call it. The third is specialty, Chinese, Mexican, etc. And the fourth, is the one we don't have here, which is your mid-priced family-style restaurants that can serve alcohol. These are the road, Texas Roadhouse, uh, Applebee's, and these types of places. Um, 
These people have to go to Delaware when they want a middle-of-the-road priced menu. Joe Sixpack wants a steak and a beer, and he can't afford to go to uh, Annie's. Annie's, by the way, just for your information, uh, serves probably the, the best steaks in, we have anywhere in this area. Uh, but they're priced accordingly, and everybody can't afford that on a regular basis. Yeah, special, special night, anniversaries, so forth, great place to go. Uh, they serve certified Angus beef, which represents the top 3% in the government greeting system. But if you want a mid-priced for a family of four, you've got to go to Middletown, Dover, or Seaford. I've heard it said that allowing these here would, it would put fine dining out of business. That is hogwash. Basically, it's not going to happen. Generally, what happens is when you add competition, everybody benefits, including ones that are outside of these categories. And that just, it, it, like I say, it just doesn't happen. There was a situation um, where a lady whose husband opened a restaurant in Rock Hall, she works for the town of Centerville, by the way, and he has a fine dining restaurant in Rock Hall. Somebody opened a restaurant across the street from him, and it said, you know, he, you're, they're going to put you out of business. His business increased. It's the restaurant park concept. Same thing that happened over in Annapolis. When they have all those restaurants clustered in one place, everybody gains. The other is support, uh, support for locals with donations is non-existent with these chains. Go ahead, finish uh, up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's, that's not true either. My wife and I had our car over at a Seaford uh, car show one time, and it was a couple of years ago. And we got a um, door prize, which was $50 towards a dinner at Lone Star Steakhouse, sponsored by Lone Star. So they do, what they, what they do is their management will establish a, a criteria in the beginning of the year, and the individual, it's up to the individual managers how they spend that. And what I'm asking you tonight is that you vote positively for this, this change in the liquor laws so we can ask our delegate, Steve Ahrens, Senator Hershey, and the rest of District 36 to cross-file this bill before the March deadline so we don't end up in Rules Committee. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Wood. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. James Wood, Queen Anne's County uh, Parks and Rec Public Landing supervisor. Um, I'm here in my capacity for my job, but I, I'm really reaching out to you and the community at large of, <clears throat> about trying to gather some historical information about the Corsica River dredging, um, particularly in the time frame of 1972 when Hurricane Agnes came. That's a important date from a permitting perspective. We have a permit to dredge the river, but uh, there's a section that we're quite interested in, in uh, modifying the permit if, if we can produce some historical information that this, the area along the town's boardwalk where they have some boat slips and a kayak launch, um, so it's to the right if you're looking at the river from our county slips and boat ramps, so from the kayak launch along that boardwalk. If if anyone remembers that back in the days of Kerr-McGee, there were some big boats there, I would love uh, some leads on that. We could document that and uh, 
Uh, Mary Margaret provided me a wonderful 1885 article in the Baltimore Sun about a ceremonial trip down the river. We had dredged it to eight foot then, and all the captains were on there. And um, So we're looking for some more recent historical data that's sort of um, older than electronic, maybe stored electronically where we're usually getting our more recent uh, information. But it would help us on our permit. We, we have our permit, but we may want to modify it. So that's why I'm here, is just to say, if there's somebody out there who used to work at Kerr-McGee, uh, give me a call, uh, 410-758-0835, extension 2505, and uh, jwood at qac.org. And we're just building our case that there were big ships there. I've talked to Jack Shaw about the draft of some of the steamboats that were there. The floating theater used to come up there. We've provided pictures of that. So I'm trying to build that information and... Uh, going in a lot of different directions, and this is just one of the leads I'm hoping will uh, pan out, and uh, thank you for the time to uh, put that out there to the universe, and may, may it help our project be even more successful. Things are starting to move along, and, and we're just at a critical time point where we could use this extra historical information about dredging on the Corsica River around 1972, or before or after. Is there, is there an issue with the, the project that we're going to do now, or is this just if you, can, if you can show this, we can do more? I mean, what, what's the purpose? Right. So we're permitted to, to dredge to five feet. We just got that permit from the Maryland Board of Public Works uh, early January. And um, so our town slips and the federal channel all the way out past Sycamore Point, we're permitted to go to five feet. Um, these town slips and, and that area between the town slips and the kayak launch were permitted to go to minus three, and so we could go a little farther if we could show it had been dredged before. And I think there's a lot of, and I remember it in my, my lifetime going by there, so it, I think uh, it's a possibility. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. That's all who signed up to speak. Would anybody else like to speak at this time? Seeing none, we'll close the press and public comment and move on. All right, Commissioners. All right, Commissioners, it is 5.53. We have a scheduled public hearing. We can either do that now or run through. We have five action items. you have a preference in hearing first? Or? Is Pat here? It's uh, Bond Council. Oh, it's for Bond? Bond Council. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have a preference, no, so if we're fine, if they want to go now, we can go now. Still. All right, yeah, let's, do the, let's do the hearing. Then. You want to turn to tab seven under legislation. <laughs> item one, this is the... Um, County Ordinance 20-01, Public Facilities Bond Authorization of 2020. So we have Director of Finance, John Seaman, and uh, Bond Council. This is Damian Mark, who's uh, with our Bond Council, uh, McKinnon, Shelton, and Hannon. He's going to walk us through the public hearing. This is for our uh, annual bond authorization bill. Yep. Good evening, Commissioners and ladies and gentlemen. Um, before we start, I just want to confirm for the record that um, the legislative file does include the notice of publication, the certification. Um, the notice of public hearing was published in the local newspapers, um, both the Queen Anne's Record Observer, and it was also published in the Kent Island Bay Times. So um, we've, we've met that requirement, and the certification is included in the legislative file. Um, this is, as was noted, a public hearing with respect to uh, Bill Number 20-01. It was introduced on January 14, 2020. Um, this public hearing is being held in accordance with applicable law, including Section 9.311 of the Local Government Article of the Annotated Code of Maryland. Uh, 
Bill number 2001 is entitled Public Facilities Bond Authorization of 2020. Uh, the bill number 20-01 is a public local law to authorize and empower Queen Anne's County, Maryland from time to time to borrow not more than $9,500,000 for the public purpose of financing or refinancing certain public facilities and to evidence such borrowing by the issuance and sale at public or private sale upon the full faith and credit of the county one or more series of general obligation bonds. Uh, the ordinance empowers and directs the county to adopt a resolution in accordance with the local government article prior to issuing any or all, all or any part of the bonds. The ordinance also empowers and directs the county to le levy ad valorem taxes and rate and amounts sufficient to provide funds for the payment of the maturing principle of an interest on the bonds and pledging the county's full faith and credit and unlimiting taxing power to the payment thereof. Finally, the ordinance authorizes the issuance of refunding bonds and otherwise relates generally to the issuance and sale of such bonds. Um, at this time, uh, have there been any um, public comment in advance? No. no? no. Okay. Um, would anyone in attendance like to make any public comment about the ordinance? Seeing none, Seeing none I think this uh, hearing is concluded, and uh, thank you, Commissioners. All right, thank you, gentlemen. All right, Commissioners, if you want to turn back to new business, we have uh, five items under uh, tab three action items. First one is uh, Kathy Combs Minor Subdivision Amended Open Space Easement. This is an ease. This is an amended deed of open space to restrict 29.773 acres supporting the previously subdivided lot three as part of a large lot cluster subdivision on the lands of Kathy L. Combs, intended to be recorded among the land records of Queen Anne's County. Can I get a motion on that? I move to approve the amended deed of open space easement to restrict 29.773 acres. To support the previously, <clears throat> previously subdivided lot three as part of a large lot cluster subdivision of the lands of Kathy L. Combs, intended to be recorded among the plat records of Queen Anne's County. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. That was easy. That was easy. Thank you. <laughs> right. Good job, gentlemen. Like that's work. Okay. All right, action item two on page 11 is a series of employee standard operating procedure policy updates for drug and alcohol testing, commercial driver's licenses, uh, risk management, and our safety manual. And these will go into effect in seven business days if adopted. I move to approve the drug and alcohol testing policies for FMCSA and FTA, commercial driver's license, and the risk management safety manual be adopted as presented to be effective in seven business days. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? I think Stevie wants to know if it applies to him or not. Is there, is there an age cutoff? <laughs> <where you can? laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Right, Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. You're in the clear. No. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, commissioners, item number three on page 123 is a commercial real property tax credit for Queenstown Assisted Living. This is a request to approve a commercial real property tax credit for Queenstown Assisted Living project located uh, in S or uh, 
on uh, in Graysonville on 120 Shoreway Drive. I move to approve a commercial real property tax credit for Queenstown Assisted Living Project located on property owned by SHA Graysonville LLC at 120 Shoreway Drive, Graysonville, Maryland. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. That's what happens when we do our homework, so Yeah, that's right. Okay, item four on page 127 is the Bull Rock Grove Creek Broadband Pilot Project, and this is a request to approve the recommendation of county staff to partner with Atlantic Broadband to provide broadband to the Grove Creek Bull Rock community, 31 homes. Originally, you recall, we had a $100,000 grant from the governor's office, and they have uh, doubled their ante on this, so I think that makes it much more affordable for our folks out in, uh, in that community. So. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to approve the recommendation of county staff to partner with ABB to provide broadband to Grove Creek, Bully Rock, at the cost not to exceed $40,000. Funding for this project will come from the county IT fiber project budget. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Mr. Jack, quick question for you, sir. Yes. Is, is taking bites out of the county of the better properties, any? does that in any Absolutely. way? Anywhere we can bite is good right now. <laughs> okay. And, and honestly, and I, and I would like to thank the governor's office for coming back. And this was actually just, I didn't want to go into all this, but this was an initiative. We actually went back to the governor's office and asked him. Because if you remember correctly, we had two projects approved for 100000 each. And our argument was, if you were going to give us $200,000 and we couldn't do the other project, why not still give us two hundred so we get one done? And they agreed to that, and that's why they came back with this offer. So I appreciate them doing it, and I think we need to do this and see how it works. This will be the first one we don't with the state. And if it works out to be good, it could be uh, good for the future. So, thank you, sir. Yeah, I also wanted to just say that um, um, as a member of the Broadband Advisory Commission, um, we've been working, uh, I think, pretty productively with Atlantic Broadband uh, for two years. Um, they listen to us. We get annoyed. They listen to us, and and I think um, uh, they have to be part of the solution. And so, this is an important first step. So, good. Very good. any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I just wanted to acknowledge um, several of my neighbors are in the back who came to raise your hands if you're I'm right. here to support and are truly thankful for this. Internet's on the way. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Commissioners. Our final action item is item number five. It is a desk item. This is an amended lease agreement for um, remediation lease addendum for Corsica River dredge material placement in the amount of uh, $800, $200 for a four-acre site out here for that project. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to amend the existing dredge material placement site lease agreement dated October 23, 2017 to allow for a short-term rental of four acres of land as part of the Corsica dredge materials placement site remediation project. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Just quick way, uh, by short term, what is that? Did they move it somewhere else to a more permanent site, or is it just is this while the process is going on? How does that actually See, work? James, that's just that's how long it's going to take to dredge it, and that's why it's short term? Uh, no, this is the excavation of the old material into the... Uh, yeah. Got to get on the record up here, yeah. James. Thank you for your time, and including this as a desk audit item. So... Um, it's not the dredging, it's getting ready for dredging. So um, we have a, a containment uh, site already that we already lease, and so this is a, amending that lease. So adjacent to that, 
So we're going to take the old material out and uh, st strip the topsoil off this ag field, place the old dredge material in there, put lime on it to raise the pH, and we've had it all tested and it meets all the thresholds th to do all this. Put the topsoil back and then it'll be, can be used again for agriculture or conservation. So it's just to rent this four acres from now until May 15th when the earthwork is going on. Gotcha. Once that's done, then we'll dredge and so we basically need more room in the, the containment area. And we have to take this dry material out, place it next in the adjacent field. Once that's done, then we put the new dredge material in, and it'll settle. So off subject with that, so is that the typical way they do it? And the reason I ask is because you hear all this stuff that goes on about the Conowingo, about where they're going to put the, the spoils and that kind of thing, and this seems like it's pretty easy to do. And I'm just wondering why they came up with something that easy for that. That's a much bigger project than... <laughs> I, I guess that, I'm, I'm sure we got some desolate land somewhere we can stick that stuff for a while. Yeah. I mean, proving ground. they got plenty of room up there. Yeah. Anything with, so. yeah. But I, okay. Yeah, it's... It is a challenge. I mean, that's the biggest challenge is where you're taking the material. We had a wonderful project for Kenton Arrows. It went up to East Neck Island, built a beautiful marsh. Um, yeah. It's like beach sand there, and they love it, and have beautiful pictures of, of all that. So, Commissioner is, Corcorino has volunteered his lawn. Oh, good. So it's a, just a simple lease amendment right. for that area land for a short term. Thank you. Thanks, James. Okay, that concludes our new business for this evening, Commissioners. We can move over to hold the... On, hold on, we got to, we got to vote on that. Oh, so, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, we are voting to move to amend an existing dredge material placement site lease agreement dated October 23, 2017 to allow for a short-term rental of four acres of land as part of the Corsica Dredge Material Placement Site Remediation Project. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Yeah. Okay, that concludes all of our action items. There you go. Now we can move to presentations. If you want to turn to tab number six, item I, first thing we have is the FEC swearing in. Mr. Billy Faust and Mr. Robert Marsh, President and Vice President. So is he going to take sworn the in down there? Huh? Skype or what? I don't know, but he, 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 he wasn't here last year. Mm. Are, you, are you the... Uh, you're the swearer in there. No, I didn't know if you were. No, yeah. Right where you are. Okay. Right where you are. Okay. Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Jim Moran. I, Bill Faust. Do solemnly promise and swear. Do solemnly promise and swear. That I will to the best of my ability. That I will to the best of my ability. Fulfill the duties of the office of which I have been elected. Fulfill the duties of the office of which I've been elected. And uphold the bylaws of the Queen Anne's County Fire and EMS Commission. And uphold the bylaws of the Fire and EMS Commission. At the conclusion of my term of office, at the conclusion of my term of office, I will turn over to my successor. I will turn over to my successor all records and properties, all records and properties, entrusted to my care, entrusted to my care. So help me God. So help me God. You're it. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. Work condolences. There you go. Another year. Commissioners, our next presentation is from uh, Catherine Willis, our Department of Community Services Director, Queen Anne's County Department of Transportation Development Update. So that's item number two. And I think she has a uh, presentation here for us as well. And this is a this is an action item as well. So. Well, you used the word Catherine. It sounds all official, doesn't it? Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's what my dad oh. used to call me. <laughs> 
Good evening. Uh, thank you for having us tonight. Um, every, uh, typically five years, the MTA uh, funds the local operated transit system, which is Queen Anne's County County Ride in our area, with a transportation development plan, which they fund 90% of the plan and we pay 10%. We are very fortunate to have a partnership with KFH Consulting, and I have Will Sutton here who has prepared a, a wonderful plan for us for the next five years that he's worked very closely with Maynard Nash, my transit administrator, on where we want to see Queen Anne's County, County Ride go in the future, how we can improve our services to the constituents of Queen Anne's County and um, expand services possibly and just keep up with the growth that needs uh, this transportation service. So um, Will has graciously prepared a nice presentation for us that can show you the short and sweet of what's been in the works for uh, a little over a year or so now um, to get this plan ready. And it's had a lot of consumer input, which you'll see, and um, we need to adopt this as part of Queen Anne's County's plan. And you will see some of this forthcoming in our future budget meetings um, because we do have a few little expansions that are very timely um, that we haven't been able to do for many years. So. So with no further ado, I will turn it over to Will. Oh, thank you so much, Kathy. I appreciate it. Good evening. It's Good a evening. pleasure to be here. Thank you for your attention. It's been a pleasure working with Maynard and Kathy over the past year or so on this system. We've talked with a lot of individuals, a lot of stakeholders, and advisory groups in the community. And it's very interesting to see the level of interest and the level of transportation need that is within the county. So I really have appreciated the experience. Um, kind of jumping into our presentation, uh, the first slide is really uh, just what a transit development plan is. Um, and we call them TDPs. Um, so you'll probably hear me refer to it as that during the presentation tonight. So the TDP itself is a five-year short-term plan. It's actually mandated by the state. Uh, the Department of Transportation requires all of its uh, sub-recipients and all of the counties to conduct this plan just to kind of make sure that it's a good faith effort to look at their service, make sure that it's operating effectively and efficiently. The TDP identifies transit goals and objectives. Uh, we conduct an inventory of what's existing. Uh, we do interviews, we do surveys, we talk with the community to see what people would like and what people need. And then we develop alternatives to meet those needs. And then again, we know we're looking at a five-year time span. We come up with estimated costs to implement improvements uh, that are right-sized for the system over the next five years. So we'll get into those a little later. So right now, Queen Anne's County Ride operates three deviated fixed route services uh, that primarily serve uh, between Centerville, uh, Kent Island area, Annapolis, and also down to Easton. Uh, these services operate uh, frequently throughout the day, Monday through Friday, and they carry you know, quite a substantial number of individuals. Uh, there's also a number of specialized services that County Ride also offers, uh, which is ADA route deviations, a door-to-door -door service, uh, military veterans transportation services, and, you know, as you can see from the map, they also provide a lot of regional connections uh, between the eastern and western shores. There's connections to Annapolis Transit. They connect to the MTA commuter buses. They connect to Delmarva uh, Community Transit. And they also connect to Anne Arundel County Transit as well. So there's really a lot of cohesiveness within the region. So one of the first things we do when we start our TDPs is we really kind of start to look into the demographics. Some flickering screens. Uh, and one of the first things we really look, really look at is population density when it comes to providing transit. Because you need individuals to actually use the bus to have it out there and to have it make financial sense. 
So first off, we have a measure on the left of the slide where you can see population density. And we've broken those into categories of 2,000 and greater, um, and then categories below that. The idea being a population density of 2,000 people per square mile or greater will sustain a fixed route transit service. You will have high productivity, you will get ridership, it will be worth the financial expenditures. And looking at Queen Anne's County, we see some high population densities in the Kent Island, Kent Narrows area, and also around the Centerville area. Uh, but we have large swaths of the county that are primarily rural and don't have the population density to really support that frequent transit service. But there's another side to the coin. There's also transit need. You may not have the number of individuals you need, but you can have individuals that really need transportation to get to medical appointments, to their work, um, and to other social opportunities. So the map on the right, we actually look at our transit dependency. And that's a measure of autoless households, older adults, individuals with disabilities, and a couple of other factors that typically uh, tend to trend towards uh, transit riders. Uh, so we have the populations along the routes that exist. We also have the needs that are outside of the existing route infrastructure. Let me see. Okay. And we also took a look quickly at demographic trends. Um, as you guys are I'm very aware, I'm sure, the county is growing in population. Um, but that also means that uh, the number of older adults are also growing. Um, and at a rate much greater than the overall population growth in the county. And given that the, you know, on one of the next slides, we'll see the, the, the age of the typical transit rider is actually 50 and above. So having that population grow shows that you're going to have, you know, quite a swing in ridership over the next few years. Additionally, we also identified that the below poverty population is also increasing, and those are also high propensity transit riders. And also individuals with, inability, with disabilities are also rising too. Again, uh, typical transit riders. So on this slide, we have a couple of select questions that we uh, uh, pulled out of our community outreach efforts. Um, and just to quickly overview that, we conducted um, onboard surveys on board all of the fixed routes for three days um, and where we collected information. We also conducted a community survey um, online. And then we were able to work with some of the other county departments um, to pull in other transportation surveys to pull a lot of information together. All in all, I would say we had over 200 individuals contribute to our public outreach process. Um, so one of the first things to note is customers' frequency of use. The individuals that use this service depend on it. They use it you know, very frequently throughout the week. As you can see, close to 50% ride it every day that it operates, again, Monday through Friday. Um, looking at the customer's employment status, you can also see there's about a third that's employed full time and a third that is retired. So you can see that a lot of these individuals uh, use it to get to their jobs, employment sources, and a lot of the retirees are really getting to social you know, excursions and also to medical treatment and things like that. So that really kind of shows the importance of the service and providing basic needs. Um, again, as I mentioned, customers age. You know, about 85% of the riders are age 50 or above. So that really is kind of you know, astounding when you look at the service. Um, and what, but also when you look at the area, the people that use the service, they need it because they don't have an option. Because as it stands now, the service is not super convenient if you're not inside of the high-density population corridors. So these are individuals that really rely on the service to kind of take care of their basic medical needs, shopping, and other things like that. Um, and the last question that we pulled out on the bottom right there, this was actually from the public survey that we did. And it's, does county ride operate when you need them? Almost 50% said no. So that's really something we want to get to. You know, what exactly is going on? 
And you'll also see there we had 28% that said they're not even sure what the hours are. So also kind of looking at marketing and information is also something that we really keyed in on as well. Oops. So very quickly, I'm going to run you through uh, our proposed enhancements. And I should say, this is really kind of a menu of services that we've kind of refined throughout the course of the TDP itself. You know, there are some high-dollar items here that, you know, we would recommend if the financials are there. Um, but if not, you know, maybe there can be some progress made towards meeting these needs in gradual steps. So, you know, that is something that we, you know, reviewed uh, with Kathy and Maynard. Um, but just to kind of give you a big picture of everything that we talked about, uh, the first thing was establishing a northern county route. As you saw from the slides earlier, there is not a, a fixed route that serves the northern portion of the county. Um, and that doesn't mean it's not served. There are demand response vehicles where you can call and schedule a ride the next day and they will come out and get you. But, you know, that kind of really doesn't allow any emergency needs. If you run out, need to run out to the store, you aren't able to do it because you can't get a ride until the next day or even the day after. Um, so actually having a service that you can, you know, actually get on. And again, not a high-frequency service because we don't have that population density, but a service that you could depend on that is daily, that comes through, that you can make a call, you know, and it can swing by and get you, kind of making the first steps into establishing the transit network into the northern <coughs> area of the county. And we examined two different route alternatives, which you can review in the TDP. Um, we also looked at establishing a Kent Island circulator, because again, we're talking about population density. We want riders on the bus to really kind of make the financial and, you know, the operational efforts worth it. So given the high growth area and the large number of developments going on in that area, we actually uh, proposed adjusting Route 2, which currently provides service from Centerville through Kent Island onto Annapolis, to actually be converted into a circulator service to serve just the high uh, population areas uh, within Ken Island. And we also talked about a potential extension where that could run over to Annapolis on select trips just to increase um, transit you know, rides or possibilities back across uh, the Bay Bridge. The other thing that was uh, really key was increasing the number of daily trips. As I mentioned, there are three routes, but those three routes only offer four round trips per day. So you're thinking if you have to run out to the store, you need to go to a medical appointment, you really have to make sure it aligns within a certain window Otherwise, you're just going to be stuck, and there's no way for you to get home. So expanding those four daily trips to six would really give customers and the residents a lot more options to plan and a lot more options to use the service and, and make their trips. And the other was expanding operating hours. The current service span is 6, 6.30 a.m. to 4.45 p.m. Um, and, you know, if you have a 9-to-5 job, that's obviously not going to work. You know, if you're commuting back and forth from Annapolis to your job, that's obviously not going to work. So we proposed expanding it from 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. to accommodate those commuter trips and later evening trips. Because we also heard a fair amount from the older or the, the senior community that they were more interested in having social opportunities in the evenings and things like that as well. So... Kind of thinking of transit in two ways. We have the fixed routes, and we also have demand response. So that was something that we also kind of dived into, too. And again, similar to fixed routes, they have a service span that currently operates from 6 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. So again, if you're scheduling a trip, you know, you really can't go into the evening. You pretty much have to be on your way back home by 4 p.m. or earlier. Uh, so we propose expanding that to a 12-hour uh, service span from 6 to 6. Um, and we also talked a lot about managing ridership growth. You know, we talked about the rise in the, you know, 65 and above population. 
And the chart on the bottom right there is actually the 65 and above population projected for Queen Anne's County. Um, and you can actually see that really kind of hitting a peak in the next you know, 10, 15 years. Um, and there's a lot of innovations that are coming out. Um, a hot topic now in the transit community is microtransit, where it's like an Uber-style thing on your phone where you can actually get a transit vehicle to come and provide you with a transit ride that has reasonably priced. It's much more convenient for the customers. Um, and there's also other approaches, you know, kind of looking at scheduled services like as, uh, as the uh, northern route uh, in the more rural areas, kind of establishing ways for people to, to, to tap into transit the same day. And the other section that we also talked about were more administrative and capital enhancements. So again, marketing, you know, we had that 28% from the public survey that said they didn't really know what time the service operated. You know, uh, County Ride does an excellent job of marketing. As you can see, there are, you know, podiums and marketing materials and brochures throughout the county. But we really think it's important to kind of step that up. Um, and one of the things that we talked about was potentially, you know, rebranding uh, the County Ride itself. You know, right now the vehicles are white with just red lettering, you know, if you don't really know what it is, you might not know if it's transit, it might just you know, be something else. So actually having you know, very marketed, you know, very branded materials is really important. And we also kind of looked into that with bus stop signage and actually having facilities and putting you know, benches and shelters at your really high frequency stops um, and kind of upping the branding just so people that know that transit is in the community and it is an, a viable option. And also, you know, with the regional connections, we also looked at fair reciprocity agreements with all of the connecting uh, providers. So that was something that definitely we need to iron out over the next few years. But that would just make it much easier to use transit within the region, being able to use your same fare card and hop on different service to a different service. And just to kind of sum all of that up in our five years that we are talking about here in the TDP, um, in our first year, the short-term improvements, that's FY 2021, we proposed establishing the northern route to Queen Anne's County, or to northern Queen Anne's County, and also enhancing the marketing and outreach and branding of the service. Um, looking into the midterm improvements, uh, 2022, 2023, um, looking at taking Route 2 and making it into a circulator for the growing population in Kent Island, and also increasing the regional connections by adding those additional trips to the existing fixed routes, and also investigating fair recipro reciprocity with other regional providers and really just kind of stepping up the regional transfers and, you know, the regional service. And long-term improvements, we really wanted to, you know, look at expanding frequency and hours really as we get into the fourth and fifth year just to make sure that we are seeing the productivity that we want because those were really the high-dollar expenses and improvements that we looked at. And while it would be excellent to have additional trips, it really, you know, you're, it's, it's going to cost uh, quite a bit of money. Um, and also providing the demand response service at the, during the same times, again, the six to six. And here's our conceptual operating plan. Uh, this is somewhat, um, you know, these are cost estimates kind of based on, you know, the current year we're in. Uh, they have been inflated by about 3%, but, you know, they are extremely variable. Um, and as you can see, you know, the year four and year five improvements really kind of pack a punch especially in year five when you look at expanding service hours. You're looking at, you know, 180000 of today's dollars to do that. And then here's the um, conceptual capital plan, and this is essentially uh, the, bus, the buses, uh, replacement vehicles, expansion vehicles for new routes. Um, as you can see, we have an expansion vehicle programmed in 2021 for the northern county route. 
Um, also, maintenance for the vehicles comes out of that, and we also included um, expenditures for bus stop signs and amenities um, under facilities there. You'll see that. And other than that, that is the, the TDP one-year process kind of in a, a nutshell for you guys. So please let me know if you have any questions. Very good. Any questions? Somebody would like to make a motion then. Yes, please. I move to adopt the Queen Anne's County Ride Transportation Development Plan as presented by KFH and the Queen Anne's County Department of Community Services Area Agency on Aging County Ride Slots. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kathy. Maynard, thank you. All right. Excellent. Okay, Commissioners, item number three. Next we have um, Years of Service Award for Mr. Jim Henson, Queen Anne's County Housing Authority. Jim, you want to come on up? Come on up. Come on, Jim. We have something for you here. Thank you. Yeah, come on up. Have a seat, Jim. Good to see you. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? And for those of you who don't know, Mr. Henson has served on the Queen's County Housing Authority Board since it was established, um, and he has recently announced his retirement from that board after, I want to say, decades of service. So we have this here from the County Commissioners, the 31-year service award. We hereby express our sincere appreciation to James L. Henson, for your loyalty, diligence, and outstanding performance during your tenure with the Queen Anne's County Housing Authority since its establishment on July 1st, 1988, and it is signed by all the county commissioners. Before I forget, I should have done this at the beginning of the meeting, Commissioner Duminell has is, is been ill for a while under the weather, and he couldn't make it tonight, uh, so just, he's getting better. He'll be back shortly. Yeah. All right, Commissioners, next, uh, item number four. I know. We have uh, Gene Faby, our Economic Development Manager, and uh, I don't know if Heather's coming up, too, our economic development and tourism director and they have some service awards for some local businesses as they want to present this evening so come on up folks (coughs) 
So I'd like to thank you very much for the opportunity to recognize two of our businesses in our community, EMB Automotive, which is celebrating 25 years in business um, and has a really great story. You'll see that in the proclamation. And also Miltech UV uh, for 30 years of doing business in Queen Anne's County. Excellent. Are they here with you today? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes. Bring them up. You want to bring them up? And, sure. Yeah, sure. Bring up EMB. Which one? We'll EMB start. first. We'll yep. do that one first. Yep. Yep. Carol Come on yeah, come on. Yeah. Oh, we got plenty of seats. How you doing? Awesome. Hi. How are you? Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. One year is tough. 25 is even harder. <laughs> right. So, and, and Carol, I think I appreciated your interest in the workforce development yes. and the apprenticeships, and I know that you're still staying involved in that, correct? Correct. And I deeply appreciate that, so. I have a proclamation here for you. Um, proclamation 2007, whereas Mark and Carol Edwards started EMB Automotive, a family-owned company specializing in automobile repair and service in lease space at 121 Love Point Road, Stevensville, Maryland, on January 2nd, 1995. And whereas in the years that followed, the business and the customer base expanded, and on January 2nd, 2000, the Edwards celebrated the opening of a new expanded facility on property they own at 2020 Marion Quimby Drive, Stevensville, Maryland. And whereas in 2017, the business was hit by a tornado, resulting in $500,000 in damage. Despite this setback, the Edwards kept the doors open and solidified their commitment to doing business in Queen Anne's County by rebuilding and resuming operations. And whereas today, EMB Automotive is a highly regarded member of Queen Anne's County's business community, and the Edwards are looking forward to expanding the building in the next year and adding an additional employee. And whereas Queen Anne's County values a significant contribution small family-owned businesses such as EMB Automotive, make to the local economy and a significant impact to the community. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, recognize Mark and Carol Edwards for their commitment and contribution to Queen Anne's County economy and to congratulate EMB Automotive on its 25th anniversary. Signed your Queen Anne's County Commissioners. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. 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 Thank so we have another one. We're going to we're going to do pictures, but we're going to read another one. Then we'll come down and do pictures. So if uh, so, if you guys want to just move if, back. If to the Blanfords want to come up, we'll, we'll do uh, we'll do Miltech right now. Yeah. Good evening. Good evening. Hey. Oh. Do we stand or sit? sit down? How you doing? Have a seat. Have a seat. been a while since we've been able to do a proclamation for a business, let alone two of them in one night. So, <laughs> I mean, that's impressive. So. Okay. Mr. Wilson. Sir. <laughs> well, I have a proclamation for, for you, and, and uh, you know, uh, this is Proclamation 20-08, in recognition of 30, the 30th anniversary of Miltech UV. Whereas Miltech UV of Stevensville, Maryland, a family-owned company, is celebrating 30 years of business, the company is owned by the Blanford family, Marilyn Blanford, CEO, Bob Blanford, President, and their sons, Joe Blanford, Vice President, and Charles Blanford, Vice President of Sales. And whereas since 1989, Miltech UV has grown from being a distributor of industrial ultraviolet products to a globally known equipment manufacturer of ultraviolet curing equipment and spare parts serving over 30 markets worldwide. Products manufactured using UV equipment play an important role in everyday life and range from pre-finished hardwood flooring, automotive headlights, 
food packaging, and optical fiber used for telecommunications. And whereas most, re most recently, Miltech UV is proud to have worked with the United States Department of Defense and Department of Energy to develop a manufacturing process using UV technology that makes the use of lithium-ion batteries more effective and efficient in vehicles, cell phones, and other applications using this power source. And whereas Queen Anne's County values and appreciates the significant contributions to the charitable causes within our community made by Miltech UV and its employees, such as sponsoring local charities like Haven Ministries, the local food banks, and the homeless shelter. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, recognize Miltech UV, its employees, and the Blanford family for their commitment and contribution to Queen Anne's County's economy and to congratulate Miltech UV on its 30th anniversary. Signed to Queen Anne's County Commissioners. So thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. So just out of curiosity, did you, was the business started here in Queen Anne's County? Actually started in Millersville, but we weren't there very long because... It started the, in Arnold. In Arnold, okay. well, <laughs> mainly, and then moved over. Uh -huh. I forgot. To, Mil to Millersville. Arnold, Arnold in the basement for a few months, <laughs> then Millersville. Uh -huh. And then around 1997, to Queen Anne's County. The true, right. the true story of a family business starting in their basement, literally. Absolutely. And now we're global. It's either a basement or a garage, and, right. and you're not, you're not a true family <laughs> business until you do one of the two. So the garage was too cold. Absolutely, yes, <laughs> awesome. But thank you very much. Well, very much. And, and I'd like to say, Queen Anne's County, the commissioners, through all of the years that we've been here, have been very supportive of Miltech and our business, and. Gene and, and the whole economic development group here has been fabulous. So we, we found a good home. Queen but your, your facility now, is is it down at uh, Mattapeak? We, we have the property at Mattapeak, but we're okay. still in the business park. In, I in, thought so, because uh, I was on the planning commission when you brought that in yeah. for yeah. Uh, uh, Mattapeak. Well, very good. Congratulations. Thank and you. hopefully Appreciate many, many more years. Thank you. We're going to go ahead and get pictures. And this is for you. I'm going to hand that Thank to you, you right so now. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Commissioners, if you want to turn to item number five on page 133, we have a scheduled work session on alcoholic beverages, article section 27-1403 of the Annotated Code of Maryland. We have a number of folks here to uh, uh, join in that work session. We have County Attorney Patrick Thompson. We have the Liquor Board Attorney Jeffrey Thompson. We have um, Ms. Joyce Jones, the Chairman of the Liquor Board. And we have some supplemental information that was provided by... Um, Mike Wisnowski from Department of Planning and Zoning, our director there, and from Heather Tonelli, our Economic and Development Tourism Director. So I'll kick it over to the Commissioner. I guess what we'll do is, is uh, we didn't do this last time. I, I'd like to see uh, Planning and Zoning and, and Heather, if you don't mind coming up and you, you wrote, you know, I'd like to hit your input. Sure. On, sure. You, you can all stay there. We've yeah. we got plenty of room. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get a seat up. Okay. So, good evening, Commissioners. Mike Wisnowski, Director of Planning and Zoning. We were asked to render an opinion on uh, specifically Section 27-1403, the 15% uh, ownership or interest requirement of the liquor law. So we did, and that memorandum is uh, in your packet, and I will uh, be brief and paraphrase uh, our findings. Uh, planning and Zoning believes that this provision should be repealed. Uh, we, as Planning and Zoning, want to support the hospita hospitality industry of Queen Anne's County, economic development, redevelopment, providing people dining variety and choices. And this provision stands in the way of doing that. And I can provide you with a classic example uh, for, I guess it was a year and a half or two years ago when uh, Douglas Jamal was working with Planning and Zoning to get... Uh, the old outlet center redeveloped. We spent many, many months on the design of that. And, and one of the design characteristics of that development was to have two fine dining restaurants at the end of a roadway or a cul-de-sac with an amphitheater in the middle and two fine dining restaurants overlooking the water. Would have been fantastic. Um, when we mentioned this provision to his design team and to Mr. Jamal, it was problematic. Now, I can tell you that that wasn't the reason why that project did not go forward. However, it was another hurdle that he would have to jump if he was going to try to attract a fine dining establishment like a Cafe Normandy or a Foga de Chow or something like that. So that was our real experience uh, in, in that provision. Secondly... Um, we, we did a little research, and at the last meeting, there was some discussion about uh, the, the restaurant Applebee's. And so we did some research, and we understand that, uh, that um, any restaurant, any corporate restaurant that comes to any community is going to outlay a financial investment, a significant financial investment. And as an example... Uh, what we found in our research is that if, if someone were to open an Applebee's, which has a liquor license or would presumably have a liquor license, their initial investment is going to be over $2 million. And so they are going to be very selective, they being the, the 
the folks who want to establish a restaurant here. They're going to, they're going to do their research. They're, they're going to make sure that there's enough population and now enough rooftops to support their restaurant, enough drive-by opportunities. And it's, it's a significant investment for any restaurant to open up in Queen Anne's County or anywhere. So the, the thought that, um, that we're going to, if, if this provision goes away, that Queen Anne's County is just going to be lined with restaurants up and down our corridor, I do not believe is true. Uh, and lastly, there are only so many zoning districts where this land use is permitted. Uh, and it's predominantly along 50, and it's in Graysonville, Stevensville, and Kent Island. So it's, again, in my mind, there's just not going to be a proliferation of all of these restaurants going up and down 50 because of the financial obligation and the land use. And really, the land use is where it should be uh, uh, controlled. And so for those reasons, we believe that that provision should be abolished because it's simply not uh, friendly to the economic and development and redevelopment in Queen Anne's County, which is something we're trying to achieve in the appropriately located zoning districts. And I think our land use ordinance, our comprehensive plan does that. And I don't think that this provision is necessary and it should be eliminated. Heather, do you have anything you want to add to well, that? Well, it's almost verbatim the documents that I know that I submitted to you earlier, but in my prior life, I uh, worked over in another county, and my focus was retail, restaurants, hospitality. And, and one of the things you learn really quickly is they have a site prep profile, a science as to where they should be, who their customer is, what the densities need to be, the income levels, their education levels, all, all that good stuff. And Queen Anne's County has a lot to offer, but we don't really have density. You know, we have 50,000 people that live here, plus or minus a few. And I, I think I sent you a site profile for Olive Garden, who looks for like 100,000 people within a minute of, of where it is. That being said, we also have high traffic counts, so they would take that into play. Um, also, what I had uh, shared with you and, and echoes what Mike said, um, we don't have a lot of locations that would be viable for them. They're going to want to have uh, visibility from 5301, so same corridor that he had mentioned where you might see them want to go to Stevensville through the Queenstown area where there's more density. I think we have like 24,000 people that live Kent Island to, to Queenstown area. So, um, And then we have the North County growth that could happen over time, but I really don't see them going there right away. That would be a, a later time. Um, I do think it, it impedes our mixed-use development. You know, you have the, the Jamal property that has been sitting there as well as the, the town center location possible in, in Chester. And I know both of them is... Mike had indicated on the one, um, count on those sort of restaurants in order to be able to succeed. Well, I guess, you know, and also we have a, uh, this, uh, another document in our binder that from the Economic Development Commission, and they voted 11 to 1 to remove the 15 percent ownership also. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, the rooftops, and you mentioned how we're only 50,000. Well, Talbot County's half of what we are. And yet, you're right, that traffic traveling through there is, is attractive to somebody. And, and uh, what we want is the revenue without the resident. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a positive thing there. Uh, I don't know, does anybody else want to add anything out there that uh, we haven't covered yet? I mean, 
we're, we're addressing the 15 percent, but in reality, in most instances, it's really 45 percent because each applicant must own at least 15 percent. And in the corporation section, three of the officers must be applicants. So really, each one of those three persons must own 15 percent. Now, you can have a corporation with only one officer, and then it's 15 percent, two officers at 30, but, but the general provision is at least three officers. So if you're talking about a major company, they will have three officers. So we can accommodate franchises. I think we talked about this before, but not the company-owned store, so to speak, because nobody's going to, not even one of them is going to own 15 percent of a nationwide company. It's just Correct. never, ever going to happen. Mm -hmm. So that's the decision you have to make. We could deal with franchises, but we can't deal with that company-owned nationwide restauranteur. I guess the question I have for our two attorneys here, is it possible to put a restriction, i.e. a number? If we wanted to say we, we, we want to remove it, but we want to remove it only for four, uh, locate, four, four different establishments, not, not identifying those establishments, but anywhere in Queen Anne's County where a possibility of maybe up to four, of four these, licenses. Four licenses could be right. issued. So that means, it, is that something that can be written into law, or is that not? Is that too difficult? Is that is that narrowing it too much? Requires creativity, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I I know some of the counties they limit the number of licenses. So with that in mind, if you can limit the number of licenses, couldn't you limit the number of licenses that had certain criteria? But that would require, I think, a work session from Mr. Thompson and I to try to craft something. It's a drafting issue, but I, right. I think it could be done. I mean, but that could be something that could be viable if we decided we wanted to go with, we didn't want any more than four uh, licenses that didn't have 15% ownership. I don't know if you could do exactly that, but Lamar mm -hmm. County has restricted it so that there's a certain number of licenses per citizens, and I think it's... Come on. I think it's one for every 2,500 people in Baltimore County. Ours would have to be significantly different because we're currently, for licenses, we're currently one for every 500 people in this county. And that's all, that's all B's, licenses, A's, A's, B's, yeah, C's, right. and BD's. Right. Yeah. Probably the better thing might be to do, and I'm just thinking out loud, would be to come up with a different, if we're only concerned with restaurants, is to come up with a different class B license. You know, this is really addressing all licenses. Maybe better off trying to you know narrow it even further to say you know come with a particular class and then define that class. Well, the way the county sits now, Mike, uh, you know, and, and Heather, uh, how many possible locations from the 5301 split to the Bay Bridge is there that we could accommodate a size of of one of these type of restaurants? I have not done that research. I can do that research, but I I pulled all properties that fit the, the code and had, I think, two to ten acres, but a lot of them were already used by somebody else for a different purpose, so it's very few. I know of maybe four or five on the Kent Island area. Um, I know there's a pad, pad site right on 5301 by where the sportsman is and um, over by where K. Hubnanian is. There's some uh, belt property has some spots. And then I think I'd also mention that there are some um, franchises that will do in-line space, you know, within shopping centers, and we have plenty of mm -hmm. open space as far as that concerned. Right. Uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings in uh, Middletown is in a, a strip center, and, and that works fine. So we do have some of that as well. But if you get one, they're all going to keep track of that, and when they're doing their site profile and their analysis, they're going to know that some of that customer base is already going to that one. There's not room for 
but so many within our county. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at that square footage to population as mm -hmm. well. And you could limit it. You could draw, make it as narrow as the fourth and fifth election district. There is this class of license failed. I mean, we can tell us the parameters. I'm sure, Mr. Thompson. And I well, I know there's a concern that we don't want an abundance of them. You know, I, I think that's safe to say that you know that's not what the intent here is. But the intent is also for development and redevelopment is to have another tool in the bag that we can use instead of having empty spaces. So, you know, to me, you know, like you said, if, if you have to own 45% of it. If, if it is a corporation, uh, right now you have to, somebody has to own 15% of it that, that lives here, and they don't do that. So, I mean, it, it, to me, I, you know, I, I'm for my choice would be to get rid of it altogether, to get rid of the 15%, because, again, I, don't, I agree. I don't believe there's going to be a flood of them coming here. But in the same token, you know, there might be one, there might be two, uh, and they're going to want to go where the you're right to have the access and the visibility. So you know that kind of limits it. So you know I, I, I'm going to I'll, I'll start with a motion to that uh, you know and Pat I don't know which one of these was you know the um, we have an A and a B here. I'm not sure what you're looking at. The uh, you did the you did the draft. Well, I, I, let's put it this way. I, I'm for removing Jim, the... Before, before you take your motion, Jim, can we go ahead and like just comment in general, since we're having an open discussion, before you make your absolutely. motion, in case yeah. it may just yeah, yeah, change yeah. something. Yeah. So um, one of the things I've looked at and in, in, in favor mm -hmm. of, especially um, being the uh, liaison to the COG, Council of Governments for all the uh, incorporated towns, is that I don't think I see a problem with exempting the incorporated towns from the 15% ownership as a whole. So carve them out completely. Um, and I think that's something they would embrace because they are looking for economic development opportunities. Um, there are limited restaurants when you get to the towns up north. Um, and I think that opens it up for some of the, uh, in the comp plan, looking at some of the future comp plan, uh, looks at Queenstown, um, the Centerville 304-213 corridor for maybe possible restaurant parks or things of that nature. So I think that would be more... I don't think you're going to see many county citizens putting the money up to go build large restaurants in those corridors, but I see where that could be a corporate opportunity. Whereas, you know, for 50, 60 years, uh, the Narrows, the Stevensville, Chester area has, you've had people playing by a certain set of rules for those 50, 60 years have established their family businesses there. And, you know, all of a sudden you're going to change those rules, which may or may not affect them. I mean, none of, none of us sitting here today would be willing to bet their remainder of their paychecks on whether it will or it won't. And it's just something that I think, as commissioners, while we have to, you know, to promote economic development, we also have to protect our existing businesses and, and be sympathetic to what they've worked for, their philanthropic give back to the community, things like that. So we have to take all of that and weigh all that. And, you know, like I said, right now, as it stands, I would be inclined to open it up for the exempted for the um, eight incorporated municipalities in the county and see where that goes, and then maybe revisit it a year from now, two years from now, and see are people clamoring to get here in Queen Anne's County and open restaurants. So that's just my two cents on that. Yeah, I, I, I've given this a, a lot of thought. Um, I was at the EDC meeting where they voted on it, um, and a lot of good, interesting perspective. This is one of those ones where I think there's, there's really great arguments on either side, many different sides of this position, because... Um, there is economic development tools associated with it. There is the protection of our local business, and it is a little bit of protectionism, and I'm okay with some of that protectionism for local businesses. Um, 
but there are you know a lot of citizens who take their families on Saturdays and they go outside the county uh, because they can find that moderately priced restaurant and they eat there and after they eat there they go to shops outside the county instead of staying in the county um, and that's not what we want we want people to try to stay in the county as much as possible um, so I like the idea of for starters limit to the incorporated towns remove remove that restriction on them let's see how that plays out um, and then we can see if other areas or other types of licenses might be something else we can see in the future but sort of a, a phasing to see um, but I mean I, I understand we were coming from Jim on it with all taking right. it all down I, I I don't think it's a bad argument I mean I think it's a good position it's just well, I guess you know the only thing I would say to that is when when an establishment i.e., we'll call it a chain restaurant, you know, uh, is looking for a location. And they come and they look at one of these pad sites in Queen Anne's County and they see this law. Are they going to stick around and wait a year until the next legislative session and hope it passes, or are they going to go somewhere else? No. They're not going to wait. No. They're going to go somewhere else. So the egg's got to come before the chicken. So, sure. you know, and that's. Well, how many, honestly, so how many restaurants have come and inquired about our liquor laws in the last? Five years, would you say? We've had the two that I mentioned during Jamal. And there you said they're fine dining, so we're, we're talking a, right. that's a different price There's point. There's a pad site that's been available adjacent to Denny's. That was, that was developed in total with two pad sites mm -hmm. that has received no interest from anyone. I'm not sure why. Um, this may or may not have something to do with it. Uh, we haven't had that many. <laughs> I've right. only started in November, but um, I, I do know there were a few looking at the pad site near the um, Chesapeake Outdoors. Well, when you're, you, but you said you were in charge of that in oh, yes. your previous job. Oh, yeah. They definitely wouldn't wait around right. for that. Okay. Um, they, some of them only do three a year. Some of them are doing 10, 12 a year. Mm -hmm. There are different uh, footprints available where some of them might do what I'm going to call like an express footprint where it might only be you know, uh, 3,000 square foot and might only have a few table. you know, half of the tables that it would have in a larger restaurant. Um, but I don't really think that that's what we would look for either because that really doesn't serve the need. Um, Queenstown would be the f closest incorporated town that would have a pull from the Kent Island area where they would possibly benefit from that. And down the road, I would say it would take probably at least five years before you'd see one wanting to go possibly into, you know, further North County, maybe Centerville. Mm -hmm. But I don't know whether I would base the success of it on the incorporated towns having the ability to have those restaurants because it would take so long for that to happen. Not to say it won't happen, but I don't see it in two years, maybe with Queenstown. But, mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. Okay. All the traffic is along 50. We, we all know that. That's, that's the most visible part of our county, and that's where they're going to want to be. Well, I mean, so uh, I'm fine if you want to make a motion. I mean, I'm for removing it, but if that's not what your your feeling is, go ahead and make a motion. And I'd, I'd like one more remark. Absolutely. So I think the arguments, as I understand them, for, for getting rid of it are, are pretty explicit and understandable. I've been weighing in my mind which way, one way or another, to turn, because I think the arguments for the other side are not as clear but do exist and let me summarize a few of them the first is Queen Anne County does not have a whole lot of business of any sort and what business exists I like to support as much as we can that one of our main businesses obviously food and food support and if we were 
if this was a business coming in that was a new business, renting skis or renting camels or something that didn't exist, I would be absolutely clear with it. But this seems to me to be somewhat predatory on the profitability and the labor that exists for the existing businesses, and that weighs on my mind. The second issue that interests me is that I very much like the model of St. Michael's because it's a very community with a lot of diverse small businesses. When franchises come in and you sit down in an Applebee, you could be at Topeka or anywhere, when you sit in Fisherman's and you're in Queen Anne's County, and I like to encourage those things that are specifically local, have that local feel, and are not something based out of Des Moines. Uh, I think there are some reasons to be protective of what we have and to strive to keep some individualism, even at the cost of a certain curtailment of liberty and protectionism, which I'm not crazy about, but I see the other side of this, and I just want to make those arguments on the table. Certainly. Very good. If I could say one more thing, too. Uh, the Montgomery County, and I believe it's... Uh, Hereford County, we were at the Mallow Convention last year, the past two years, and the biggest complaint they have is that, um, when I say they, the corporate attorneys for these franchises, is that the, the counties that they want to come to, a lot of them don't have their application process online. We don't have ours online. So if this is something you're going to do, you really need to bring our whole application process, and I would say, indeed, our whole well liquor board process, a little bit more current century so that you know they can apply online because that attorney is not from Queen Anne's County that attorney is not from Maryland it's not going to be easy for them to come here and get the stuff and turn it in so I would just say if you're going to do it if you're going to move forward in that way move forward in the application process as well and some of the legislation that's already been referred to to the delegation if it passes we're going to have to do some pretty substantial changes to our application anyway so that's a that's something we can we can obviously work on okay I will point out that if you if you were to vote to repeal that section, <coughs> there's still some other. You, you, you back to the general provision, which provides three officers have to be applicants, one of whom has to be a resident of the county and a taxpayer in the county. The bigger companies, I'm sure, can create three vice presidents, <laughs> one of whom is a, is a resident and a and a, and a registered voter in, in Queen Anne's County. So there's a little connectivity. You'll have one of those three that yeah. will be from the county. And, if you were to go in that direction. We already, I thought we've already we taken care that. of the residency issue. Well, the residency is throughout the uh, alcoholic beverage article, but you've taken care of some of it. Yeah. But not the one Jeff's talking about. Okay. I, which, which one did the Supreme Court ruling? Which one is that taking care of? State. That's the state, state residency. residency the, under the Commerce Clause. I would add, Commissioner Duminal, who is in the hospital, asked if this comes to a decided vote, that he would like to participate in the vote, and if it's a closey, then could we table it? That's I don't think it'll be a closey. What's that? I don't think it'll be a closey, okay. as yeah, you yeah. would say. So. <laughs> is that a word? Yeah, you can usually come up with great words. I'm not sure that's even a word. <laughs> closey. Like All right, I'll, I will make the motion that to, to uh, leave the ordinance intact except for exempting the uh, incorporated towns from the requirements of the 7, what, 403, whatever it is, uh, 27-1403. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? One. Okay. 
There it is. So if you can relay that message over to the legislation, legislators, appreciate it. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Joyce, for coming in. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, thank you. Commissioners, if we want to turn to item number six, we have uh, the Rural Legacy Grant Agreement, and uh, Ms. Donna Landis-Smith is here for that. Donna, come on up. I'm actually here for two things. Um, the Rural, Le Rural Legacy Grant Agreement that you have in your packets is the $1,079,000 we just were approved on January the 8th mm -hmm. at the Board of Public Works meeting. That grant was actually submitted in February of 2019. So those um, funds will go to preserve three, three farms, two in the Foreman Branch area, one in the Land's End area, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for a total of 390.7 acres. So this it's grant agreement... This grant agreement is just agreement with the county and Department of Natural Resources saying we will follow through with the grant regulations. <coughs> Bless you. That's Thank the you. first one here. So I make a motion to approve and sign the Rural Legacy Grant Agreement for $1,079,509. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Yeah, Don, is this, this is the Rural Legacy is standalone for mouth, right? So this is not the additional dollars for mouth, correct? That's correct. Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. okay, anything else? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. I'll be back in a minute. All righty. <laughs> as in, you, you might as well come back now. If you, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to pick <laughs> something <laughs> up. <laughs> she just likes watching. That's all, we, <laughs> well, we, we, that's all we had in the book. I was going to say, I'm supposed to be on 645, so for mouth is something different. Oh, that's all we have. We don't have anything else on it. Is it, is, is it time sensitive? Uh, yes, it is. Because okay. I have to have the matching funds offer. I should have put that in there. There was a letter in there for matching funds for mouth. Because it's due by the end of the week. Okay. To the state. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. So I am back in front of you again, Donna Landis Smith from the Soil Conservation Office, for request, requesting matching funds offer for the mouth program. Um, Queen Anne's County is a certified county, which means that we retain 80% of our agricultural transfer tax, and the other 20% is remitted to the state of Maryland. The agric trans agricultural transfer tax is used for easement acquisitions under MALF, and Queen Anne's County has part been participating in that since 2001. Last year at this time, I came in front of you um, for easement applications that have been submitted, and we have submitted um, seven applications this year. And we have in the coffers right now from the aggregate transfer tax $208,919. The initial allocation that we received from MAL for easement acquisition is $830,000, which between the two totals $1,038,919. So with the seven applications that we have that we submitted in June of this past year, June of 2019, it's for 884.4 acres. In order to fund them totally, we would need $3,459,281. The state offers the matching funds program, which means when the county puts up county money, they will match 
the dollars that are pledged from the county two for one. So for example, with the $208,919 that we have in the ag transfer tax, we'll receive back approximately $400,000 because they match it two for one. That's the minimum they match it. That's that's the minimum, right. yes. On the first go-around. <clears throat> yes, that's the first go-around. So last year at this time, you put forward $750,000. With that $750,000, we got $1.1 million back in state matching funds in addition to the 880000 uh, initial allocation. We were very fortunate. We did a press release um, earlier, probably a couple of months ago. We had submitted 10 applications last year. And through the initial allocation, we funded three of those forms. <clears throat> Pardon me. With the additional second round money, which is money that comes from the state that the counties don't use, we were able to fund all 10 farms. We received $6.4 million from the state for your $750,000 um, match. So we were, we, with the matching funds that we had and the second round offers, we were able to preserve 1,581 acres, which removed 10 farms off of the list. So in order for us to fund those seven applications that we submitted this year, we would need the $3.5 million. So Total, not, not you, you keep saying we, you keep making it sound like it's coming from us. The county. The county would need to give um, approximately a million three mm -hmm. in order for us to match and That's fund. That's guaranteed, but if, if, yes. Yes. if, as in the past, we go through the second round, this could be a lot less... Yes, that requires no matching funds. The second round offers come from the other counties that don't utilize all of their initial allocation. For example, Howard <coughs> County usually does not have any MALF applications. So their $830,000 that we, they receive as initial allocation would come back to the state. And then the state looks at all the counties as a whole and look at bargain sales, whoever are asking for the reduced amount of money compared to their fair market value appraisal. Mm -hmm. We have been very fortunate um, to be able to receive those funds in the past, and we've been able to utilize that. Currently, we have 115 farms on a waiting list for almost 20,000 acres, so we do have a need. Um, and the $6.3 million that we received this year, this past year, was the largest allocation of money that we've had since I've administered the program in the last 14 years. But when we did the 750 last year, yes, what was the what was the ask? What were we trying to accomplish with, with that 750? Was that the is that all we needed, or is that just a cap that we put no. on there at that time? That was the cap right. that you asked for. The most okay. that the county can put in is 1.3 million, 1 million dollars is the maximum that you put in, and the state would match it with a two million dollar um, right. addition. Mm -hmm. So that's the cap that you can put in. Anything less than that, they will match a two-for-one. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, for example, you put in the $750,000 last year. We received $1.1 million from the state in addition to the initial allocation. When you say last year, Jonathan, is she talking about FY20 or is she talking about FY19? FY20. She's talking about FY20. FY20. So this, this, what we would be doing now, would this be FY21 money or would it be coming out of – because it can't be both in the same year. That's my point. It's, it's both, they're both mouth. It comes once a year. The ag transfer tax is what was collected from June of 2019 <clears throat> until today. So it'll be 20. Yeah, we did a budget amendment right. at the last meeting, which really we took fund balance from last year, but it is FY20 right. expenditure. Yes. Year. Yes. 
It would, it would be now. We did last year. We did it as a budget amendment in the 19. But we're, we're, well, my point is, we, we've got two mouth payments inside of one fiscal year, or well, commitments. I, I think you agree. I think when Donna was here a year ago, you sort of agreed to do it. It was actually then during FY19, but the transaction didn't take place until like now in FY20. But did, so that's what I'm getting at. Did, did you? Did you? Did that come from FY20 funding? That's what I want to know. My question is, if well, we do seven hundred fifty thousand again this year, you don't, you don't, you just have to send them a letter saying we're going to do seven fifty. That's correct. The money correct. doesn't go until we get into FY21. That's correct. FY20 money. It was a combination, but it included some fund balance from last year. My point is, if we make a motion now to say, for instance, do another seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. <throat> It doesn't get written now. We go to the budget cycle. We know that funding is is now set aside. Correct. That's what I'm saying too. But is that a million, Donna? Is so you're saying 750? Is that in addition to the 238 thousand you have in a recordation tax? So yes. the total would be a million plus. Is what you're looking at? No, that would be in addition to the 208,919. I mean, That's so what we have right million, now in the ad transfer tax. And so, you're still going to be accumulating that all the way up till June 30th. That's correct. Correct. That's correct. And it's usually minimal. Mm -hmm. But these these applications that went in in June of 2019, they probably will not settle before the end of the year mm -hmm. because they have to go through um, title searches, surveys, you know, a lot of paperwork. So the likelihood of them settling before the end of the year is slim. So what are we? I'll go back to that same question again. What what are we getting from the solar <clears throat> personal properties? Uh, right now, about five hundred thousand a year. So, we have an option to do five hundred thousand plus the recordation, or seven fifty plus the recordation. So, I'm going to leave that up. What do you guys want to do? You're you're saying take. <clears throat> so we we're, we would be coming up with an additional two fifty on top of the solar. No, on top of the solar. If we did seven fifty, if we do yes. seven fifty, yes, correct. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. All right. We're all good with that? Yep. Steve, good you good with that. with that? Very good. So you, do we need a motion for this? Is yes. It, I mean, I don't know how you would do this as a budget amendment, but so we're... That's the motion right there. Okay. Well, I make a motion to approve... Well, wait a minute. I make a... I make a motion to approve 208919 towards the mouth matching fund program as well as an additional $750,000 from Queen Anne's County Commissioners. How's that? Perfect. Okay. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? No, that's fine. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. I do have one thing that I would I'll go like. Go get six more million this year, though. Yeah. yeah. That would be great. You set the bar high. Awesome. Now you got it. Yes. <laughs> let's do that. Good job last year. We keep knocking out these forms. We're going to be in good shape. I did um, print you out. Um, Todd and I had a discussion earlier about the amount of money that we have um, secured since the uh, since I've been working for the county in 2005. So I've given I've made a chart for you of all the funds that we received from mouth, the acres that were preserved through mouth, the money came from rural legacy, and the acres that have been preserved through rural legacy. So the total for the last 14 years for mouth was forty million six hundred nine thousand seven hundred six dollars preserving 9,689 acres. And for Rural Legacy, we have uh, secured 13,388,893 acres for 2,000. Dollars. 
two th- yes dollars. dollars yeah. We don't have that many acres. Yes. Yeah. Two thousand six hundred seventeen acres for a total of fifty three million nine hundred ninety eight thousand five hundred ninety nine dollars, and we have preserved twelve thousand three hundred seven acres in the last fourteen years. So the mouth money that was about forty million, how much of it was county funding? How much, you I'll have know. to get back to you. Okay, on that. I'm just curious. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's yeah. Anytime we can get can you three to one, to four to one, and yeah. six to one, we're we're yes. all in. So. Yeah. Can you add that to that and send it to us electronically? Because that piece of paper. Absolutely. Those, but if I yes, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, as in the press release that we turned around, it was a 844 percent return on our money last year. That's it. Yeah. It was, it was like eight dollars and fifty cents to every dollar we spent. So. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a good investment and. In addition to receiving that money, that money generally stays right here within the county, whether it's repurchasing another farm, equipment, corn, fertilizer, and just everyday farm expenses. And um, a lot of these people that were that are receiving this money are reinvesting and purchasing other farms. So it's a really win-win situation for the county. Dinner at Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. In an Applebee's. Yeah. That's right. All right. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. All right, Commissioners, uh, item number seven on page 184, we have uh, a status briefing on the 2020 Comprehensive Plan. We have Director Michael Wisnowski and Amy Mordock, Principal Planner. So if you want to come on down and tell us about the Comprehensive Plan update, which is underway now. I was going to walk you through the... um, website, but I think I won't. (laughs) I think I'll just summarize it for you. Uh, But that is to say that our consultants are very busy organizing a lot of community meetings and making sure that the message is getting out, and I think they've done a really good job so far. Uh, So the website that they have generated is at qacplan2020.com. And we've been working directly with um, QAC TV, who maintains our website. They've added a 2020 comprehensive plan section to the planning and zoning comprehensive website. So if people are looking on our site, they're directed to the site that's being managed by Smith Planning and Design. That website allows for a lot of interaction with the community, which is what we're looking for. The very first screen on the site has a portal for citizens to enter their email addresses so that they can become uh, members of an email blast where all of the meeting announcements are um, uh, sent via email to citizens. Also, just updates, reminders, uh, reminders to take uh, people to the online survey which is also in the the next screen on that uh, website. There is an electronic survey there. We already have 100 uh, responses electronically, and we have distributed paper surveys throughout the county to all of the municipalities, to county offices, and to the Ag Extension Office. So we're looking to make sure that we're providing as many avenues as possible to get survey input which is very specific. It's only one means of getting uh, information, but it's, it's a good uh, barometer to gather, and it's important. In addition to... Um, Amy, real quick, I, I hate, I'm going to hate myself for asking this, but have you put it on Facebook? Yes. Okay. I say in addition to working with, 
In addition to working with uh, Queen Anne's County uh, TV, we're also uh, working with our own uh, press, our own consul um, uh, PR department, and they are pushing information out on Facebook and other platforms and on social media, and we're working directly with our consultants to make sure that our message is uniform and unified and that the correct information is being relayed. Uh, also, the website gives an explanation as to what the process is and what the process isn't, because a lot of people think that the comprehensive plan update is an update of the land use ordinance, and it isn't. Uh, so we don't want people to be disappointed in the process that they're actually engaged in. Uh, the project timeline is on the website, and we're still on schedule, which is very good. Um, but being on schedule has generated a lot of interest. So we're right now scheduled for quarter one, um, and we're scheduling into quarter two. But so far in quarter one, we've held our first technical meeting, and that's the meeting with all of the county agencies and state agencies. And in February, we're drilling down into meeting individually with different departments. We're also meeting in um, March with uh, specified stakeholder groups, and we're starting with uh, economic growth and sustainable um, development work group meetings. So we have two of those meetings, schedu meetings scheduled in March with stakeholders, backing back up to February. Um, we're also we're having our kickoff meeting with our planning commission in February as well. Um, in the next quarter, we're moving into the northern end of the county. We're going to uh, continue meeting with <coughs> department agencies, holding community visioning sessions, and all of that information is uh, up to date on the website, but also being pushed out through a lot of other platforms. Real, real quick, um, it sounds like you've got a lot of outreach out there, and I guess to kind of dovetail on our conversation, do we have it in our restaurants, our bars? the Elks Lodges, the Chambers of Commerce, and all those places. I mean, those organizations get a lot of pass-through local traffic. It might not be a bad idea to reach out to, like I said, you put it at the local restaurants, you're, you're going to get a lot more people looking at it. And the other thing is, I guess something else, and I'm not sure because I've actually been asked a question, is some people have confusion, I think, about the comp plan versus the census, since both are kind of going on at the same time. There's they're like, well, I'm already doing that, you know, and it's like, well, no, you're not doing a comp plan. That's the census. That's different. So we may want to somehow make sure that the two campaigns aren't getting meshed okay. together into one. That's that's good to know. We're we're still we're still very early on in pushing the message out and meeting uh, with our consultant and um, our our in-house press. So there's points are well taken, and I'll make sure. Because I know the census has got a full court press on right yep, now, so sure. they're going to people's doors when they can't get a hold of them, and then they're going to see, you know, if you want comp plan, or, I already did. I gave it the office, that kind of deal. So you don't want that to be the case. So. Right. Sure. So we're, we have three visioning sessions I just do want to mention, and I included those um, flyers in your packets. Hope, and part of the reason for doing that was that when people go online to look at what we're doing in here, that they'll see these flyers and maybe print them out and spread them around as well. But our first visioning workshop is um, in Chester Stevensville at the library, uh, the Ken Island Library, from 4.30 until 6 next Thursday. So it's kind of exciting. And then the So for the people who are watching, what, what should they expect from, from that? Why should they show up? Why should, you know, what, what can they get from that? 
There are two reasons, well, there are lots of reasons to show up, but there are two goals uh, of this particular visioning work session and the other work sessions that will follow immediately. And those are, we're starting with visioning sessions in the communities that have community plans because we're updating community plans as well as the comprehensive plan at this time. And we wanted our consultants to get busy in the communities where they really have double work to do. So what the community, what we're looking for is input from the immediate community as to how are we doing with the community plans, what strategies do you think have worked, what things haven't worked, what things have we accomplished, what strategies can come out, uh, where are we falling short, and what are your goals. So we're looking for really um, the community to tell us how successful those plans have been and where, uh, where they'd like to see their communities grow or not grow. So what will happen is there'll be an overall presentation and then a lot of that meeting will be interactive where there'll be sessions set up um, at the meeting where uh, citizens can interface with sections, with documents and sections of the plan and give immediate feedback to our consultants and to staff. So that process that you just explained, and let's just assume that we'll go with the February 6th one that you're going to have the first one. Mm -hmm. Let's just assume that there's a lot of people that just can't make February 6th. How do they get input? How do, how do you, is, there, is there going to be more than one time that you're going to go out to the public with the same message? Or is it just we have one shot, get the shot, and then we're moving on to the next one? There are a lot of opportunities for input. Um, every time the Planning Commission meets in a workshop session, that is an opportunity to, to But how about going, comment. like for instance, that's at the library, I believe? This one's at the library. library. So will you have another meeting at the library in three months? That's months? not the intention. Okay, that's what so I'm going to get to. So it's important to attend exactly. the visioning sessions in the communities mm -hmm. where, you, where you live and where you're vested, because as we've said initially, this is an update. This isn't um, a deep dive into this comprehensive plan. So we're not doing as many community charrettes as has ha as so, happened with the last update. So should, would it be worthwhile for us, as we send out our you know letters for our our uh, budgets, you know, I mean, is it worth us spending the money since you have three of these already lined up to send out a, a mailer stating that so. state? You know what I mean? I mean, because I mean, Christian, you you could put it in the paper, but only so many people get the paper. I mean. Plus There's like 12 people that are watching us right now. So how do really? we how do we get, <laughs> so how do we get more people engaged and involved? You know, I think it's worth us as a county spending the money to everything else. Yeah, I mean, if, especially since we have three of them that are lined up right there. Mm -hmm. You know, if we could send that notice out, you know, because we're gonna have to do it quick here because it's it's like she said, it's February 6th. It's next week, next a week from tomorrow, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. So I don't. Plus, what's the planning commission workshops you were talking about? What time are they held during the day? The planning commission uh, workshop will be held uh, at the regularly scheduled meeting, so at 8.15 a.m. Right, that's what I'm saying. You're not going to get a lot of people no. right. available for that either, right. so you're kind of limiting that. I mean, at least, I mean, because that's what you'll hear. Nobody told me, and we, right. we always hear the, you know, right. we had no idea. You but know, if, if they miss the meeting yeah. and they want to make a comment, they can always make a comment, that, you know, the Internet. Um, come to a planning commission meeting. Write us. Uh, will you video schedule an appointment with us? I mean, we're the visioning workshops. Those will be on QAC TV. 
We're working on that. So if they miss it, they can watch it and then give you feedback that way. Honestly, I think that's a priority that they be whatever we got to do to make them on QAC TV. It's a video on there. And I just think it's it's money well spent to to send mail out because we have all the, you know, everybody lives there. We and we can send it. You know that that whole southern, you know, everything from the split down. Yeah, yeah, you can put it in there because it's these are uh, specific to those. Chester Stevensville, mm-hmm. you know the Graceville, the Kenton Arrows. I mean, it's Those are the three you know. I think that if we put out put out the list and and get that mailed out, at least that's one other layer that we're trying to reach out to the public to get involved. And in this way, if they don't come, then I feel a lot more comfortable knowing that we at least sent to something to everybody's house. So I think you know that's that's worth us you know expending that money. I I agree with that. You're going to increase public awareness from 20% to 50 or 60. Oh, yeah. It's worth doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus like I, I don't and I agree with your point you know when the uh, budgets go out in August send one more round out because they're not going to finalize till December so that still gives oh, yeah, them some but, time but to get But for these three that she has flyers for right now, we could That's what I'm saying. Those. easily put those three out in a letter and you know mm-hmm. away it goes. So Todd, I guess we'll you know we'll Whoever's got to do that and manage that, but Margie's we won't take that out of your. <laughs> She's gonna look all the stamps. Yeah, she's got it. Only a couple. Yeah, we're, we're gonna be a little tight on the February sixth meeting, but the other two, um, I don't see a big problem with March, March fifth. Try, try. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If we can get somebody on this, I mean, they already got the flyer made. It's just a question of get it in the mail. Yeah, making copies. Yeah, yep. a lot of copies. Yeah. And yep, see if we can do that. Really, we really appreciate yeah. that. Good, good, good. All right. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. All right, commissioners, that concludes our presentations for this evening. We have uh, some legislation to tend to. If you want to turn to uh, tab number seven, we have um, three county ordinances that are available this evening to be voted on. The first one is County Ordinance 1917. Uh, this was the expansion of the use and or tenant space in a structure which occupies more than 65,000 square feet of gross floor area in the urban commercial zoning district. I'll make the motion to approve uh, County Ordinance 19-17. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? I See? sure wish we knew what was going in there. Um, I guess we have no idea, but boy, oh boy, I'd hate if our Home Depot came in and crushed our little depart- our little hardwares. But is there any way of, you know, catching any ride on what might what might be the outcome of it? Probably not. No. I just I, I look at it as a, as a, we don't want another Jamal's, and this is there's nothing saying that this is going to be utilized, but at least we have to put it out there to be able to attract something. I, I think for the commissioners. It would be irresponsible for us not to do what we can do to try and fill that space as quickly as possible. I mean, because I think it's the, the needs there, um, and we don't want another eyesore. And there's nothing saying that they're going to, whoever comes in is going to utilize this. But well, we know when it won't be a chain restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> no Dave and Buster's going in there, right? That's right. They got one there. There's Alito's, and it serves alcohol. That's so, right. Boom. There, you, there go. you go. We can get a slice of pizza. Yesterday, and um, they have had some activity, but uh, not a lot. He said it's kind of slow. And current interest is a grocery store, um, who I think I know it is, and then the other is possibly a home improvement. So Target's off the table. That's definitely not coming, but really? still two solid retailers. Mm-hmm. 
But that, okay. that's as of yesterday. All righty. Okay. We did receive an inquiry, just so you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago where someone wanted to put an indoor uh, shooting uh, facility there, which we're not real thrilled about, but uh, they would would have to do a tremendous amount of uh, retooling the inside of that building to do oh, yeah. that. What were they shooting? I don't know. Yeah. Or who? So. <laughs> okay, we have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. 4 0. You in favor? His, yes. No, I'm positive. Yeah. He's a yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he set a finger up and it was a good one, so. <laughs> okay, That's next. All I've got left. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up we have County Ordinance 19-18. This is revisions to Chapter 22 of the Code of Public Local Laws of Queen Anne's County, Parks and Recreation, uh, for general purpose updates of that chapter. Motion to approve 19-18. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? This is just really uh, Parks Department uh, basically went through Rex and Parks and, and really updated. Yeah, I mean, it was it was... Old stuff. It definitely needed it, yeah. so you know it's good for this. So, uh, seeing no other discussion, all those in favor of County Ordinance 19-18 signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. So moved. Okay. And lastly, we have County Ordinance 1919 holiday leave for county employees, and this allows flexibility in scheduling for the uh, sheriff's office on holidays. Motion to approve County Ordinance 1919. <coughs> second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Just so the public understands, this isn't for the sheriff's department to get all kinds of leave. It's just that they work 12-hour uh, shifts and different shifts, and it was confusing for our HR and when it came to working holidays and, and giving them the equivalent. Uh, uh, so, you know, this this cleans it up and gives it a little bit easier for us to, to handle that. So without any further delay, all those in favor of County Ordinance 19-19 signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay, Commissioners, we have two desk items, uh, legislative desk items. These are support letters for House Bill 56 and House Senate Bill 13, Chesapeake Bay Bridge, Reconstruction Advisory Group, and Traffic Study. This is a, this is a bill that was put forth to uh, revise that statute to provide greater authority to the BRAG group in terms of um, making recommendations for the next bay crossing, traffic studies, and corridor traffic congestion management along 5301. So, motion to support both House Bill, Senate Bill in regards to Bragg uh, traffic study and advisory group. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any uh, discussion? I will say that, you know, again, this is. This came about because MDTA basically scrapped uh, the, the structure uh, and uh, the members of the Bay Bridge uh, Reconstruction Advisory Group and came out with their own little uh, plan of what they wanted to do and who was going to be on it and how many times they were going to meet. And really, it wasn't a, a, produ a productive scenario. And I, Mr. Wilson, you sit on it. so. You know, uh, this is Senator Hershey and Delegate Orange saying, you know, uh, I don't want to say enough is enough, but to get some sort of resemblance to where we can at least have some sort of voice that what goes on in the Bay Bridge. And I will no I, I've noticed that the uh, 
the state has put a fiscal uh, note to this, uh, you know, uh, of a half a million dollars in 21 and about 260000 thereafter every year. Uh, I don't see where that's all. Well, anyways, you know, when you, put a, when you put a fiscal note on something, it's, it's like an anchor it. when you're trying to swim. So, to kill it. you know, uh, the last brag, we don't know that they had a fiscal note on it, but now all of a sudden one has appeared here. And we, when I say we, our delegation didn't put that on there. That came from, uh, I'm sure, from the, the state side, so, you know, MDTA side. But, uh, you know, anybody that can testify, I'm hoping you'll be able to testify, uh, on Thursday for these bills, we would greatly appreciate it. So without any further ado, uh, all those in well, favor? Yeah, let me make one sure. more remark before. And the last, the first brag meeting of this reconstituted group, Queen Anne's County made two recommendations, one of which was that any time they backed things up severely, that they would call our 911. That shouldn't have been not, no issue there. The second was that when they did any action which caused uh, the likelihood of an appreciable traffic backup like unto Castle Marina Road, that they would send an officer to monitor the shoulder or two and the overpass. And uh, I'm disappointed to tell you that three months later we've got no response and no sign that anything's happening. And believe me, I intend to go report this discrepancy. But we put it in writing so that there was no lack of clarity about Good. what we were up to. And believe me, I will be clear that so. if this brag is just an empty paper bag and they don't pay any attention to the constituents, that's that's not good. And you have that meeting tomorrow night? Yes, sir. That's tomorrow night. And then the the, uh, the first hearing in the uh, on the House side is Thursday. Yeah. So, yes. All right. Well, uh, again... Uh, Seeing no other further discussion, all those in favor of these two uh, bills signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. All right, Commissioners, that's all we have for legislation uh, in the book. Is there anything else that uh, anybody wanted to bring up on legislation? I was going to do it at round table. You can do it around. That's fine. If you want me to do it now, I can. It's up to you. It, it doesn't matter. We've got press and public comments next and then round table, so whatever, whatever's your... I mean, I'll do it now that, uh, this one? that okay. way Heather can get out of here because one of them pertains to her. So, um, so obviously, they're in session in Annapolis. Um, we've had two weeks at MACO. So just to bring everybody here, both commissioners, because I need some input on one of them and, and in general in the county, some things that um, look to affect the county and our budgets could be adversely. Uh, first one is actually something that was brought out in the um, governor's budget um, there is a, uh, a reduction proposed in the governor's budget to the community college uh, funding uh, statewide. Um, and it'll have a significant effect on Chesapeake College in terms of funding, which, as we all know, the five counties support the college. So it could be a case if it comes out of our coffers to maintain the uh, existing operational levels or the college may be forced to cut programs. Obviously, I talked to Dr. Coppersmith. He's a bit concerned about it. Um, I, I think, it, and it's going to be part of the bar for the budget reconciliation because it is a, an outside item. I think it'll get worked out and it won't be a big issue, but it's something we should keep an eye on because it will be a budgetary concern for all of, all five counties. Because <coughs> uh, we, We're just now getting the college on board with workforce development. They're really doing some great things over there. It would be horrible to pull the rug out from under them when they're moving in the right direction. Um, so that's just one of concern. It's part of the uh, governor's budget right now. Um, the other one is... 
uh, one, House Bill 292, Senate Bill 229, which uh, has to do with, and it was, uh, the bill was put in last year, and basically what it does is the existing law um, states that the uh, bridge or crossing toll roads um, to the eastern shore, the nine counties on the eastern shore would effectively have uh, a majority say in where another landing would go. Okay, so that's the way the existing law reads. What they want to do in House Bill 292 and Senate Bill 229 is they want to change the language to say that the entire state of Maryland would, would have the ability to effectively vote on, with a simple majority, of where toll roads can and can't go. And the problem with it mainly is the language. It says affected counties. So uh, an affected county could be uh, Garrett County if they say, well, our citizens travel to Ocean City, so they're affected by what goes on in the bridge. So it's going to leave it open for a lot of ambiguity in terms of probably lawsuits for every toll road that goes in from this day forward if it's left in this state. Um, but a bigger concern to us in Queen Anne's County, and this I, I put to my fellow commissioners to tell me which way to vote on this tomorrow, which I already think I know the answer, is that an AG um, opinion came out, we're going back to find it, but it was about two years ago, that they looked at this law and they said their interpretation of affected county is the county in which the bridge lands. So basically that gave one county veto capabilities over where the bridge landed, which in this case with the three suggested landing points of Talbot, us, and Kent, we as individual counties would have the right to say, no, we don't want the bridge there, or in fact use that to say, well, okay, you can put the bridge here, but we're going to need some other things. And if, if it goes to where the whole state, which it could get to that, gets to vote on where the bridge goes, I just think it puts Queen Anne's County in a very, very bad situation, or Talbot or Kent, wherever the final landing place might be. So I am suggesting for us that we do not support this bill, and if MAKO as a group winds up supporting it, I think we should have our lobbyists and our delegation and all uh, come out against this bill because it does affect us, Talbot, and Kent directly. So as long as you guys are in agreement with that, that's the track I'm going to take with that one. I agree. Okay. Yep. Um, the next one, if I could get Heather to come up for a minute. It's, so this one, this one's a weird one. I'm not even really sure where this one came from, but I had Heather. She was, she was going to look into some information for me on um, it's an economic development uh, directly economic development bill where what they want to do is they want to kill all of the economic development incentives they created within the last two years, which is basically your enterprise zones, your opportunity zones, uh, one Maryland, all that stuff. They want to do away with all those tax credits they just gave us a couple years ago. Um, and and the, the scuttlebutt is this is a way to get and funnel some money over to give to Kerwin directly because basically you're getting rid of all those tax breaks, all that tax money will go right back into the coffers for the Kerwin bill. So I had Heather, and, and I guess we need to know here how we feel on this. I personally think it's horrible that you would get rid of something that you really have. It's in infantile stages. You don't even know if it's working. But I wanted Heather to go look and see how it's affecting Queen Anne's County directly. And I think it does. We have some significant use of the Enterprise Zone right now. The Enterprise now. Zone runs from Stevensville up through Graysonville on the 5301 corridor. And uh, we've had significant usage not only on the property tax or at least application for that, um, as well as on the job tax credit. So you get a real property, personal, a real property tax credit of eighty thousand, and then it's stepped down over over several years, or eighty percent, then it's stepped down over several years, and then there's a job tax credit of a thousand per employee. There's no minimum job requirement here in the county. They do have to be one hundred and fifty over the minimum wage. Um, 
or the poverty level, apologize. And that's really it. And that is an important tool for us to have because we don't have too many. Uh, we only have one opportunity zone and that's up north, you know. Um, so the, the enterprise zone is right in your growth area, which makes perfect sense. Um, it just is a significant savings and an easy uh, tool for us to give to our, our county businesses that are looking to expand. So they are making real property improvements, growing, adding jobs, all the things that increase our tax base. The one that specifically came to my mind is that the hotel uh, that they're looking to build there in the Narrows is a significantly large project that's going to be a huge redevelopment of that empty land that's also going to be a big um, improvement that'll benefit both the owner but also the, the county in the long haul and if that's a reason for any of these projects to pull out because they anticipated that coming in um, one example was given Washington County has a, a I think it's a two million square foot office space that's contingent upon the enterprise zone and they want to pull this out what's well, almost 4,000 jobs that they're going to pull out of Washington County from a, from an out-of-state investment firm. So it's really counterproductive, if you ask me, to go after money in economic development to pay for education when tax-based growth is where you get your tax base to pay for education. So, it's, it, so I just think, as Queen Anne's County, and looking at some of the projects with Mattapeak, we have one of there I think is going to take I think we should come out against this as well. And I got Heather's going to give me the information to give on to Mako to, to oppose this, because I think it's just a horrible idea. Yeah. <clears throat> I assume the money in Kerwin is so vast, the basic demands of Kerwin are so huge that this wouldn't, even if it passed, it wouldn't, basically you wouldn't get any lift out of Kerwin. But there's a lot of these, Stevie, and this is just one of them. I, I have a number no, no, of them. I, yeah, I they're, they're, you, they're really, they're going to nickel and dime every the, area they can. You see where I was Yeah. Saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, and it, it is. Yeah. And it, you're right. If this is just stupid, why would you step on your economic development is, you know, that's where your growth comes. It's three cents on the dollar. Right. Yeah. Exactly. At our media meeting in Maryland Economic Development Association, uh, they have a meeting for directors after, and Kelly Schultz was in there. Um, and she was indicating that it is literally pennies on the dollar that they would be pulling back if they take away these tax credits. But for us... You know, it's it's very significant, and it's something that if we can prohibit it, we should. Good so enough. I think we should oppose that one as yeah, well, John. Okay. Yeah, have basic information. I just want to get you some really detailed information, Perfect. and uh, we're currently working on some um, testimonial kind of things as well. So you have that. Excellent. Is do we have a bill number on that yet? That is two two three House two, Bill two two three two two three. Two, yes. two, three. Okay, thank no. you. Um, and then the last bill, thank you, Heather, um, that I wanted to is, I'm sure you've seen it on the news, is it's called the Building Opportunity Act of 2020, which is the um, school funding mechanism for all capital projects that they're looking at doing. So the um, theory behind this is they're going to take the same lockbox money that they're going to spend on uh, operations. They're going to use that money, and they're going to leverage it with the Maryland Stadium Authority to create $2.2 billion in bonds additional bond money for uh, school construction projects. Um, I don't think it's going to affect us because we're kind of in a unique situation where our first school project's probably four years out, and this expires in, I think, 2023 or 2022. So I doubt it's really going to affect us, but I know that it's, it, it's probably going to pass. Um, it's just going to leave again. You're taking $125 million that a lot of people are already spending on Kerwin Operational, and you're moving it over here to this other. So you can only spend a dollar so many times you know what I mean and so we'll, we'll wait and see I have a feeling it's going to pass so um, if we wanted to move up a school project now would be the time to think about it otherwise we were going to have to sit on it and it was probably going to be limited after that and I think one of the pushes too in, in talking about this whole building opportunity act is the fact that 
Um, there's going to be more of a push for systemic upgrades versus new bricks and mortar out of the ground, is to go in, rehabilitate what you have, um, resize it to meet your needs, but don't tear down and rebuild. Um, I know Montgomery County was very adamant about the fact that they will never build a new high school again. They will take what they got and live within it, and they will recreate it for the future and the needs. So that's just something to keep in mind when we do move forward in any school projects that there's going to be a shift away from that new bricks and mortar. And then my last thing is I want to thank Jim for his tenacity as it, today I saw the news conference that it paid dividends that the project will officially be done on the Bay Bridge and I don't want to steal your thunder a year early and um, electronic tolling will be in effect before the summer holiday. So congratulations. Yes, sir. We'll see about that. Uh, Come on, you got to at least give me something there. That's good. We'll see about that. And that's it. Let's let's get to press and public comment. Okay. Yeah. So, would anybody like to speak? Okay. So we'll skip the press and public comment. Now we'll go to roundtable. I'm done. He's done. He's done. <laughs> Mr. Wilson. Sure. Yes, sir. I got something actually. Did he? Not just filler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the good stuff. Yeah. So. Last weekend, I come back from a holiday with the flu and wind up in the ER, and the thing is absolutely crowded. And I'm talking to staff, which I regularly do, and I begin to hear something has happened in the last couple of years, which is that the hospital, that our health care needs are growing faster than you could imagine. And last summer, it was clear to me that Anne Arundel, which is our principal hospital of use, was getting jammed up even in the summer going on alert, which told me that when we got down into flu season, things would get bad. And sure enough, we get the flu season and we get an ambulance over there that takes three and one half hours to get the patient off, and they are backed up horrible. Last week, they were of 166 hours, and a week they were on alert 120. And we're now using alert occasionally in our ER down here to block because we're getting traffic from the west side, PG and Anne Arundel coming into us, flowing down to Easton and jamming up all the way down to Cambridge. So here's the deal. What we need out of shore, we've been looking for observation beds. We need to change that focus to a different thing. We need a three-year plan out of shore, which the commissioners will write a letter to ask for, saying that we think the ER needs to get expanded from 10 beds to 15 or 16 or 17, but an expansion of that because we're overrun down there. They need more staff. They need more space. So I think that's a letter the commission writes to Shore asking for a three-year evaluation of expanding that facility because with the backup on the bridge, uh, with growing health care with Anne Arundel's problems and they're not able to meet their problems. Anne Arundel has 70 observation, 70 ER beds and they are full every day and it's not just one thing that's clogging them. They're not screwed up in radiology or lab or they just the whole hospital is jammed up top to bottom. Can't expand it really very easily. I think we need to not let ourselves get behind the eight ball so we ask for a boost. So you're saying 16 and 16 more and then eight observation in addition? No. What, where we are now is 10 beds. Ken right. Cozell came in and said he wanted to take one of the beds and right. make it observation. That would only give us nine. In fact, 
the nurse says to me, I need five more right now. So I think we asked 16 total is what you're So, you know, something like 15 beds or we, we need them to look at, can, can we get that through? There's, it's I'm good, all over that. It's good policy and good politics. Very good. Sure. Yes, I'm on board. You got yeah. it? Yep, absolutely. Chris? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. How was the weather? In Florida? Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay, then. There you go. Beautiful. Something safe. Uh, speedy recovery to Commissioner Dumino. Yes. Yeah. It's not the same without Phil here. That's right. That's right. I guess really, you know, all I've got is, is yeah, you know, the, the governor came out today and did a press conference uh, uh, with uh, Director Ports uh, was there. And, uh, yes, they say it's going to be open. To, but what I heard is uh, electronic tolling will be open uh, in the summer. Well, Cashless is doing it. They're doing cashless now. Boost? They're doing cashless now at the booth. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, no, they stopped that. They they've terminated that. Oh, no. when did they do that? Uh, uh, they last put the week. sign up last week. Oh, saying okay. So it's been recent. Since since the, since the traffic's so light, they're going back to collecting the money. So yes, I mean you know we're all looking forward to that. You know they two years ago, three years ago they did the Seven River Bridge. Now we've got electronic tolling. So now everybody's going to be able to get to the beach much faster. And guess what? 5301 is the next backup. Well, they still got to come home Sunday. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, I, we had our reporters out there, and I frantically this morning was trying to catch them to say, look, at, you know, we were, our QAC TV was only one of three channels that was allowed out there. Channel 13 wasn't allowed out there, but our guys was. Well, and, were, and, and I asked them, I said, look, at, just when he asked for questions, say, look, at, we applaud the, you know, the electronic tolling, but how does that help Queen Anne's County on Sunday nights? And they said they weren't able to get the question in. Uh, I don't know about that. A good reporter would have got the question in. So it's an update on our legislation since you're, we already did the whole legis our legislation that we put in. I mean, is no hearing yet. No hearing yet. No hearing yet on that. Uh, this is the first everybody one. Involved, yeah. involved in the community so that if we oh, yeah. get testimony yeah. or well, and, you know, and, and I sat this morning with the uh, Kent Narrows Development Foundation, and they are. I think we're going to get a letter from them. They're out of me opposed to closing any ramps. And I understand that from the Thanksgiving debacle that we, you know, we just weren't set up for it yet. We, if we're, if we're going to do it, we need to really sit down and we need to talk about how we're going to do each individual location, which ones we're going to close, which ones we're not, and, and get a system down, not just we're going to go out there and just shut it down and we don't care if you work there, we're not letting you through. So, I mean, you know, it just, and that's no fault to the, to the sheriffs or anybody else. It's just that we're, you know, this. Part of working through the process. Yes, and, we, and we've been telling people that, you know, when, if and when we do this, you know, we're going to be adjusting it every week to see how it works and, and, and what's the best way to do it. So that's going to be dynamic. It's not going to be static. Oh, uh, absolutely. Traffic is that's correct. Dynamic, yeah. so. But, you know, as the numbers continue to grow, uh, I will say that I sent a letter to uh, Director Ports uh, asking him uh, for a meeting uh, to talk about westbound tolling at the Bay Bridge because right now, you know, uh, our counters are counting more vehicles going westbound than eastbound. So they're losing out on dollars and you know the quickest way to fund the second NEPA which is 30 million dollars and they don't have a funding source for it it's not funded which they could fund it tomorrow if they wanted to but they're not you put up westbound tolling and we do dynamic tolling and you take Sundays from noon to 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. at night and just raise it to ten dollars versus two dollars one everybody that goes on vacation is going to say that's just a part of going on vacation they're going to pay it, but two, it's going to it's going to increase revenues by a million and a half per month. So that means that they would there is your funding for your second NEPA that we're taking no money out of their general fund 
and now they don't have an excuse to stop the process. So. And, and, and I think there's an interest because your uptick is actually the bypass, which again is, yes. is traffic that was dumped in our lab. That's right. But, and that's commuter traffic now. That's everyday makes traffic. Sense. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, we'll have to see how this legislation goes. Uh, the only two things I have after that is, Margie, can you get Paul to come up here, cursed, and find a way to silence those two doors so they don't slam? Felt pads, whatever, increase the tension. And Todd, I need a letter for an ethics opinion we can talk about afterwards. All right. All right. Sure. And yeah. that's all I got. A motion to adjourn. So moved. So moved. There we go. We're done. <clears throat>